Welcome to Becoming Legendary, a podcast where rad people from all over the planet share their legendary stories with us. This week, we're speaking with Calvin Corzine. He's a jiu-jitsu artist, a surfer, and an incredibly popular yoga teacher in the Los Angeles area. He teaches at YogaWorks, a massive yoga corporation that's publicly traded on the NASDAQ and operates 50 yoga studios. This conversation is a really fascinating window into the L.A. yoga scene. There is a little bit of profanity in this podcast, and the audio also isn't perfect. We'll pick up the podcast in the middle of my first question because the primary recording source that I typically use didn't end up working, and I had to record the whole thing through the voice memo on my iPhone. You make do with what you have, right? Without further ado, let's get to Becoming Legendary with Calvin Corzine. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legend can become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one Your percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. It's just like it's new. It's whatever's new at the time. Like I'm kind of one of those people that's 110 percent at whatever you do. So whatever's new is like that's all I'm thinking about. That's yeah. That's stuff. You know, whether that be like a new workout or like learning something new with yoga or dating somebody I'm, I'm i'm all in i'm all in it's usually just kind of like i get excited in the moment of, of whatever's going on and try to be present with that i'm very similar to that where i have this this constant forward thinking mentality and whatever's whatever's happening right now is really exciting and i i love to push into it at at a million percent how often are you capable because i'm a zero percent how often are you are you currently like pausing reflecting and appreciating everything that you've already also done to grow and become the the person that you are right now so see that's like it's a little bit of a catch-22 um i'm very good at appreciating when things go well or when things come to fruition like you know you have to be stoked when when you do something and you get there um if you're not you're just you're an asshole but yeah um, Yeah. like that the thing is like like i remember i've had like a couple moments and i called one of my one of my best friends who's a a yoga teacher she mentored me she's one of the people that i it's actually an ex of mine and we were just we were dating when i first started so she's kind of like seeing me through everything and we're super close still um and i remember like so i teach at, at yoga works main street which is like where i where like my real practice started so it's like for us it's like the mecca for me yeah and most it's around here um and i remember i was teaching like i finally i have this epic schedule now and then i finally got these classes that i really wanted and you kind of have to wait it out and you know you wait your turn and then you do what you can with it and uh and i called her one day and i was just like you know i'm sitting on stage and classes is sold out and everyone's in shavasana and i was like fuck you know i've been teaching yoga like eight eight years i believe and like i i've, I've done what i wanted that's pretty fucking cool yeah. you know and i was like oh so this is rad and then she's like wow that you know that's cool like you must be really hyped and then like a minute or two passed and i was like but that doesn't make me any the more happy yeah you know? like achieving your goals is great because it shows that you followed through and what you set out to do and that in many ways like the dominoes fell into place because i feel like doing anything you got to be really good and really lucky yeah for, the most for sure um but um you still have to like you can you can be very successful and have shit relationships you can be very successful and still be a dick um so i'm really good at reflecting and being like Fuck, i'm really happy this worked out but i always like try to keep that in mind like what you have 
doesn't mean what you have going forward is going to be any better. You still have to be like cognizant of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It, it's interesting. I think the goal setting that we that we all go through becomes this interesting, as you, you call it out, a, a, a catch 22, because the moment we hit our goal, we move the goalpost. And the moment we hit that goal, we move the goalpost. And the goalpost always just keeps getting further and further away. So somehow we have to find a way to appreciate what's what's happening around us in, in every moment. Otherwise, we're missing the point. Yeah, I mean, that. look at the biggest problem in modern dating. Like everyone's waiting for the next best thing. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's ever like really willing to work at anything or yeah. really just like content. Like we we show like um we anything that goes wrong. We're like okay, on to the next. Or what's better? What's this? What's that? Like I want a better car. I want a better this. Like it's hard. Yeah. It's, it, the the goalpost does always move, but it, it's weird. Like it's, it, there's the side of it. Like well, should you not be pushing yourself? Should you not always try to do the best? Like. Think about like cheesy sayings like YOLO or whatever, like at the end of the day, like you might as well push as hard as you can while you can, right? Yeah. Or I was talking to somebody about this, about money, and he was like, he's super successful. We were talking about this yesterday and he was like, he was just like, dude, I just got to get what I can while I can and I just keep pushing. And and, like, there's nothing wrong with that as well, as long as like you appreciate it, I guess. It's it's all like you could argue either side of any of it, right? (laughs) Yeah. For sure. I think the only thing you can't argue is if you're joyous, if you're if you're really happy in what you're doing, then who cares? No one can take that away from you. Totally. Totally. You found yoga in your early 20s? I did, yeah. Do you remember why you took your first class? Well, all right. So, like, I grew up around yoga here. My mom helped uh, design a couple of the early yoga studios in L.A. Yeah. And she was close with a lot of people in that community. And so I just, I never did it. Like I, I popped into like a class or two here or there, like for Mother's Day, if we had to go along. Yeah, yeah. We were like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> um, and I played like sports sports. So for me, like that that masculine idea of yoga is like, ah, it's just stretching. It's a bunch of hippie shit, you mm-hmm. know, not into it. And I also grew up on the, the back end of it where it's like, you know, everyone preaches spirituality and then they fuck so-and-so who's married after class you know or you know even like in my early teaching days a lot of like uh like i don't ever ever preach dogma because it's just not it doesn't resonate with me yeah you know sorry but like you know you see people that preach spirituality and then they do fucked up shit or it's like bro i saw you snorting lines in the back in the bathroom of a house party last weekend and you're gonna talk about bettering like shut the fuck up yeah uh so all of it was very just like it just didn't jive with me. Um, so I, I trained jujitsu from a young age and played sports. And then after college, I was dating a girl, and uh, and she was just like, "Well, let's go, let's go to yoga. You know, you get to go for free. I want to go start doing yoga." And uh, and so I was like, "All right, cool, all right." And then I went and I was like, "Fuck, this stuff's really hard." And there's like that physical side that I was like, oh, this is cool. And, you know, I, I feel like that draws a lot of us, especially men in. Yeah. Uh, and so we started doing it and then we broke up. And she at that point was working at the yoga studio. It's like, well, fuck, I don't want to go here anymore. <laughs> uh, and one of my mom's best friends, who's kind of like my second dad, we, like he's basically like my dad, um, is, uh, is a, a very very popular yoga teacher and uh and so he's like honey come take my class i was like no you teach at yoga works it's expensive there and he's like just sign in as my guest and i was like all right cool um so every day i would go to his class and uh and sign in as his guest and then after i think like six months or a year he's like you're still signing in as my guest i was like you said to 
he's like, dude, you got to get a membership. And at that point I was like, all right, all right. Um, and so that's, that's when I really like fell in love with it and like understood like the very, very challenging classes that were alignment based and, you know, loud music, but very much like within a, um, I don't know if I would say like a linear fashion, but like more of a regiment, not like do whatever you want or do what feels good. None of that bullshit. Like do this, do yeah. that. And, and it also gave me this understanding of alignment where it's like, yeah, you keep somebody safe, but it's, um, it's more of like an ego check or a reality check. Cause it's like, okay, bend your right leg until your knees over your ankle. Now look at your right leg. Is your knee over your ankle? Yeah. And on your mind, you're like, fuck yeah, it is. And you look down, you're like, fuck, that's not what's going on. And, um, and there's, there's just this, this part of reality that sets in when you have to really check yourself on those things. Um, and so shortly after that, I was at a, a family dinner with, with my second dad and my mom. And um, or I say that Vinny's, a, he's my teacher, but we're very, very close. And, um, and he is my mom's best friend or was. And so uh, basically they were like, well, you should do a teacher training. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And, and I was like, maybe, but I hadn't been practicing that long. And I feel like actually a couple of my, my good friends that are males kind of hopped into teaching fairly quick that, that got popular. It's, it, just, it just happens, you know? And so we picked a training and then he came with me every day to the training. And he's a very senior teacher. And he would like come to the training, go over my homework with me and help me out. And I started teaching just right away after that training. And it just kind of picked up quick. And I was able to start teaching full time relatively quick. like. I had to hustle. I was working, I was teaching like 20, 25 public classes a week, which if you teach any like fitness or yoga, you know, that's, that's a lot. For sure. <laughs> um, but you know, you got to grind it out and, and pay your dues, but it worked out. So yeah. Pretty- yeah. So that's, a, that's a lot of running around. I'm curious when you were, when you were like a 16 year old, what did, what did you see yourself becoming? Businessman. Okay. My dad's a businessman. Um, very, very much like, um, entrepreneurial has had many companies like very successful business person and uh and we're really close so we we go in and out of it but we're very similar in the way that our minds think yeah as opposed to my mom who's a little more like um more of a different creative more a little like all over the place creative whereas my dad's like creative but like to the point boom boom boom. like this is what you do this is what's going on this is how we're gonna do this um so that's where I, I saw it. But it's funny, like, when we were six, like, how old are you? I'm 37. Okay, yeah, like, I'm 34. Like, when we were 16, like, you probably thought, like, 25, you'd have, like, a family, kids. For sure. Like, a load of money, you <laughs> live in a house with a white picket fence, like, yeah. all those things, right? So so everything. And now I'm, like, 34. I'm like, fuck, thank God I wasn't <laughs> having all those things at 25. I was just a little punk. Yeah. So... You know, I, I would have thought business. I never would have thought that I fell into would have fallen into this, but you know, it happens, and it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's interesting because it's also business, right? Like we the the outward perception isn't always that that yoga is a business, but the reality is that that yoga is a business, and um, it's it's a hard blend of how do we how do we create really mentoring or beneficial relationships with everyone and also understand that there's some type of a financial currency that's that's kind of interweaving within what's going on yeah well you have to value yourself i was talking to a a younger teacher yesterday and he got an offer to teach at a place like i really want to do it and i was like cool what's she offer you 
and he's like, well, no, no flat rate, you know, X amount per head. And I was like, don't do it. Yeah. And he's like, I want the experience. I was like, dude, okay, cool. In a, in a perfect world, you get X amount of people, you make X amount, but that's not going to happen most likely. And, and you got to build to that. If you're showing up two nights a week for $5, like you're going to get resentful and you just got to like, you have to value yourself. Yeah. Um, and it is a business, but you know, as a business, there's the good and the bad, like social media, I think fucked up a lot but sure. it's beautiful on the same For side sure. like I, I work with aloe and like fuck they're a godsend they're amazing to me and um and they treat me well and we have an amazing community that they've built and uh and they like very much um promote and like pump me up as much as i do them it's it's a it's phenomenal even though they catch so much slack like they're they're fucking rad yeah um but i've also seen like teachers that teach a you know been teaching two years want to start traveling the circuit to teach workshops it's like you've been teaching for two years you don't know your ass from your elbow you may understand basic anatomy or teach a good class but like everything shifts yeah. like you don't have like you just don't have the wealth of knowledge that time gives you yeah. and putting in like no one wants to pay dues anymore and there's that that flip side where it's kind of like you take the opportunities you get however you can get them whether that's through something else and then it's up to you but it's also sad to see like people that don't really, you know, you have a big social media following, so you get touted as this like experienced or senior or something, and and it's just not true, and it makes things look bad. Yeah, you know, you take classes from kids that are young and they have a big following, but you're just like, really? Like you're somebody's paying you for the like? It's just no one pays dues, and they kind of like there's this weird I noticed it in yoga a lot like this gap in in teachers because there was all the old school teachers the Matis and the Annie Carpenters and Vinny and like all these other strong corns with all these people that were mentored and that mentored teachers and and brought people along and you waited your turn to get a class or to this or and everything and you everyone pumped everybody up um and and now I I see like just this gap where even we joke about it at the studio it's like well, who can you get to sub for me? And it's like, well, oh, there's a few people, but nobody mentors anymore. Nobody yeah. wants to pay their dues. They try for like a year or two and they're out. Um, and there's just like this generation of just lost people. Everyone's just kind of like on their own because, you know, we can't afford to just mentor people necessarily. And like the programs don't work that way. And studios just churn out teacher trainings, which feels like such a pyramid scheme. I yeah. mean, like, I feel like out of all of the teacher trainings I've done, like, a few people teach full time and like and everybody's told like that they can do it like in the in the old days before i even taught i uh mati used to tell the people like most of you will not make it as a teacher mm. and if you're good looking you have a leg up <laughs> but if you know you it's just not gonna you know you can't always think that like if somebody tells you you should be a yoga teacher doesn't mean you can end up being a yoga for teacher for sure for sure yeah the the daily maintenance, I think there's this um, this quote, I can't remember who said it now, but it's about everybody wants to build. Like we want to create these beautiful structures, which is or we want to create this beautiful idea of our life, but we don't want to do the work that re- the maintenance required on keeping the structure beautiful. And the, the maintenance is where we actually develop the, the progress. Uh, the blueprints are they're fun. They're super exciting, but it's that it's that day to day. The the more or less grind, however you want to describe the that, that really work. matters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the donkey work. Yeah, yeah, no one wants to do it. It's hard. Yeah. Um, 
and then it, they just you know you look at the people who who are successful and, and you, everyone just thinks like it just happens overnight for it sure. doesn't for sure. and part of the part of the trick in our in our current society is we are living with an Instagram influence, right? So Instagram, we're, we're only, it's highlight reels of everyone. And we don't see all of the day-to-day grind. Everybody gets up, brushes their teeth, uses the restroom. Like all this stuff is happening. Even even when you look flawless in an Instagram account, you're doing all the stuff. You're doing all the dirty work. Yeah. And I think I, I just it's missing in the in the intellectual concept of society right now, more or less. Whether it's whether it's intentionally missing or not, it's it's missing. Well, I mean, look, dating apps, same thing. Yeah, everyone puts their best photo out, and everybody's disappointed with what shows up in real life <laughs> on both sides. And, like, there's no reality to it. Um, yeah, like even my Instagram account isn't isn't very big compared to a lot of people in my field. Um, but people will like message and like, oh, you're an inspiration or, or this or that. And it's just like, I'm just a normal dude. I'm just, you know, um, and, and that's the thing. Like nobody should really be your inspiration if you don't know them personally. Right. Yeah. Or like, like you can, you can see somebody's picture and you can be like, that's rad. I want to, I want to work towards that. Or I think that's cool. Or, or I love the, the life that you've created, but like your inspiration or, or like should be like somebody that's really dope in all mannerisms yeah and we just can't know that from a picture or a story like or a snarky comment or an inspirational quote where it's like you know or even a superficial relationship what even a superficial relationship right like in order to like really appreciate somebody you have to get down into those those nitty-gritty conversations where where you're being vulnerable and i'm being vulnerable and we're like sharing this space of uh a little bit of actual vulnerability between us before you really know where someone's coming from. Right. Well, and that's the thing about social media as well. It's like, is it, is it really acceptable to talk about everything or is it a little bit of oversharing? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and I just feel like a lot of like the social media stuff just runs hand in hand with dating. And so it, it gives me good analogies, but it's like, if you go on a first date, like, certain things you probably shouldn't say for sure it's like oh i'm honest it's like no you're over you're overstepping a boundary you're oversharing yeah and like um yeah yeah but the, you know and the flip side again like i love playing devil's advocate on everything um is like in my opinion um part of growing up is is understanding what roles people play in your life right for sure like i have my friends that are my best friends forever. Is most of that typically for a person geographically based? Yes, you're stuck in a room with somebody for the first 10, 20 years of your life. You become best friends. Sure. Would you probably be best friends with some of those people if you weren't? Probably not, maybe. Some of them, yes, it does. who cares? Um, but even within like those friends or your friend circles, and I feel like, I'm assuming you probably have different friend circles as well, sure. you know, just through all of your interactions. I have, you know, you have your friend that you can call when you're heartbroken. You have your friend that you can call when you need business advice. You have your friend when you call, when you've had like a long week, you're like, dude, I just need to go get a drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, or your party friend or this or that. And there's all these different roles. And it's not that one's right or wrong, but like people, everybody plays a different role. Um, and, and all of that should go into your inspiration, right? Yeah. I, I'm inspired by this aspect of you aspect of you not just by you solely you're not my you know you're not my inspiration but i, I love what you do with this yeah That's yeah awesome. without a doubt without a doubt 
when you were when you were growing up, right? We had you had this a little bit of push away from the yoga world. Who who were your who were your inspirations growing up? Um, Hicks and Gracie. Okay. Okay. So is so jujitsu stuck with you? What other sports were what other sports were you involved in? Um, when I was young, I played everything. Okay. Um, I, I just baseball. I could never hit the fucking ball. Never. Okay. <laughs> I good field, no hit. My friend's dad still says that to this day. I was like, you're right, bro. Um, and then in high school, I played. I played a lot of basketball, but I'm short. I'm five eight, okay. and I just wasn't. You know, once yeah. after like JV, everyone kept growing, and I sure didn't. Yeah. Um, so I love basketball. I'm a huge Laker fan. Uh, love the sport. Um, same with football. I just wasn't really big. Like you know, at certain levels, like you just have to have size. Yeah. Um, but I stopped. I stopped playing football. I never even played in high school, but. It's like one of my favorite sports. Like I'm one of those guys that still has direct TV just because I need Sunday tickets. <laughs> and that's literally the only reason. And they're like, do you want to upgrade to this? I'm like, no, I just want to watch football three months a year. And that's it. And I'm willing to pay because I just don't care as long as I can watch my football and track my fantasy team. Um, other sports like uh, golf. So I played golf through high school. Okay. I was on the golf team. Um, a couple of my friends are really, really strong golfers still. Um, and I thought that was a great sport, but jujitsu is the one that really stuck with me. I do triathlon now a little bit. I have a, one of my old roommates who, who's a very, like, very much an inspirational figure in my life in a lot of ways and a really good friend, which is probably the most inspiring part about it for someone who's successful, um, got me into triathlon. So I do a couple of those. Um, and but jujitsu is the one that like really stuck with me so it's like for me it's like jujitsu yoga and then i have a heart condition so i have to do cardio to keep myself on track okay uh, but that's really what it is now and then i watch i watch a lot of basketball but i don't play them do you ever do you ever wish that you had mirrored your yoga practice with uh the early athletic endeavors not really not really <laughs> uh, fair you know like in the beginning of my yoga practice, I, it was like, it was very much like the fancy poses, the this, the that, yeah. um, what can I do? What can I push to? And and it was great. And I did Ashtanga for a while, but Ashtanga is so taxing that in my opinion, you can't do Ashtanga and other things. If I didn't train jujitsu still, I would still do Ashtanga, um, but I, you just can't do it in other things. Um, and advanced asana was really great and rad. Um, now, it's like supplementary. It lets me do the other things I want to do. Yeah. I couldn't keep training if I didn't have yoga. Um, and like, you know, I feel like sometimes like the oldest 34 year old in the world, like I just walk around like I've been hit by a bus some days from yeah. like I exercise a lot, you know? And um, so it's more supplementary. It lets me do other things. And there's that aspect of it that I really, really love. Um, and like even my teacher jokes because he'll he'll get into like inversion part of class like handstand all this stuff and i'm just like all right i'm gonna be an upavista he's like that's not an inversion and i'm like yeah i just i don't really care and he teases me because he's like he's like so pretty much you only do the fancy stuff for your instagram photos huh <laughs> like yeah pretty much like every once in a while i'm inspired i have really bad wrists like yeah, I do it for for the work aspect of it, yeah. you know, and for for the things that people want to see. Like yeah. a lot of like teaching is about the student, not you, and and even the social media. It's what you know. You do what people want to see, which is sad because sometimes my favorite photos. Do. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is so dope, or this is so rad, or I just love this or the vibe. And 
no one likes it. Yeah, it's it's in, it's interesting. I was I was thinking about it the other day. It's uh, it's too bad that the visual component of meditation is so ill-suited for social media because it would be great for me it'd be great if people were inspired to show off their meditation practice instead of inspired to show off their their ability to do a handstand but it's the life we currently have yeah (laughs) yeah i mean and i mean that's literally comes directly back to i was just saying about how some of my favorite stuff people don't like um your best moments when it comes to that are so internally experienced yeah. that there's no translation whatsoever. Yeah. You can literally have a photo of the best moment of your life sitting, but it, it, it just no one gets it. Yeah. And, and we all see the world through our own lens. Yeah. So it's not, you know, as much, it's weird because like, like you can kind of think about it like this, like, uh, in yoga, people will be like, "Oh, I'm new. I, I don't. I'm so. I don't want to be in the front of the class, or I don't want to this." And it's like, dude, nobody is looking at you in yeah, the front yeah. row. <laughs> nobody. Everybody is in their own experience. Most people are extremely narcissistic and self-involved. Yeah. Not that that's a bad thing. I feel like the, the de- definition of selfish is of the self. You can take it overboard, but you should be about yourself first because you have to look out for yourself first. Um, but once people kind of get over that, they understand. They're like, oh, you're right. No one really is paying attention to me. Yeah. No, maybe if you're in a position of power or you have like something along those lines where people might be, but it's just a normal person. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> for, for sure. And yeah, even those, even those moments where you're like in a spotlight, you're in a spotlight for 30 seconds. You're in a spotlight for a minute. Five minutes from now, everyone's forgotten about you. So it just... the. No. <laughs> the way the way that we we think people think about us and the way that people think about us are are pretty pretty far apart on the spectrum. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I mean I I kind of um, it's funny like in yoga I'll talk about this too like uh, so like fancy poses right everyone's obsessed with the fancy poses so in a very typical flow class or whatever let's say in a ninety minute class you get three minutes to go upside down yeah or you know let's mix in all of your arm balance options in an arm balance you know in a, in a class just a typical one plus your time to go upside down you get three five minutes let's say three minutes whatever that's such a small percentage of your entire experience there <laughs> and that's what everyone's worried about yeah because it's what they can post a picture of or what people see and it's like your your practice should be you being present and like i deal with this a lot where people can't hold a warrior too for a minute mm. but they want to go upside down and do all this other stuff it's like dude you got to get still yeah like you need to learn to be present and like if you're teaching yoga you are teaching present moment awareness how to be present if you can't sit in the fucking pose for 30 seconds to a minute what is going on here what are you doing that your that your goals here or your the way you're looking at this is so skewed and and it, fuck who am i to judge but there's just an element of it where it's like, come on, come on, dude, come on, girl, like, figure this out, come on, just sit in the pose. And like, and how about like the justifications, you know, like, I know a couple of people, like, even teachers, like, I hold standing poses for a long time, because I think it checks the ego, I think the alignment aspect of it, the mental strength, the physical strength, I think it's all there. And and for me, that's, that's what resonates with me. So it, it could be right it could be wrong it resonates with me and you gotta t- you gotta do what resonates to you 
or it just comes off so bullshit. Yeah. Um, I've had teachers like in class that will hold warrior two. Oh, I can't, I can't my shoulders. And then they want to go into a handstand. I'm like, you can't hold your arm up <laughs> in the air, but you want to put your entire body weight in a, in a rotation. And like, like, really, you want to argue this with me? Oh, uh, you know, or like the people that want to come and do their own thing. I'm like, you're just being a dick. Why are you here? Yeah, Why yeah. are you in public class? You should be at home practicing on your own. <laughs> For sure. Which is totally fair, right? You don't you don't have to come practice with people, but when you do practice with people, just blend in to what's going on. It's just it's a fair request. <laughs> oh totally. And like, you know, in a non arrogant way. Like there's it's, some of my classes have a lot of people and it's like, dude, you're the one you're the one dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the asshole out of eighty people that has to do their own thing. Like, go home. Go home. I'm not your teacher. Yeah. So on on the teacher front, what's the craziest thing one of your teachers has done? Craziest, um, like as far as like anything what do you mean? in class, in front of you, to to someone, and just what something that stood out that a teacher did that was just like that is unique. Uh, I mean, my teacher is very like he's very confrontational, so I've seen altercations in class. But it's really from people being a dick. Yeah. It's not really like, yes, he can be a little bit dramatic at times or like he's he's very like alpha in certain ways. Um, but it's more just calling people on their shit, you know. Um, wildest, like my teacher before I started practicing years ago had somebody come to his class and lay down and run drugs. Okay. And, uh, and they, they died. Wow. Uh, before class started be fair um and and so they had to cancel the class so that was that's a wild story um one of my teachers uh when i was younger that and he doesn't really te- he doesn't teach anymore publicly actually um he told me this story about he was teaching a workshop and teaches a ton of like core work and app stuff and and i just like i love this but some chick shit herself <laughs> in like Navasana in like an app thing and she ran out and she changed and she came back and took the rest of the workshop oh I love that she came back that's that's good work that's Um, what else like hmm. I had one dude show up like really really high on drugs and this is when I was younger so it wasn't that many people in the class thankfully and like I would like turn around and he'd be like laying on the floor, sweating, like making snow angels, tripping, <laughs> like definitely on a hallucinogen. And I'd like go over and be like, dude, are you okay? And he'd snap back in. And then 10 minutes later, he'd be like trying to grab it. It was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but like people get really confrontational about like they're right. They're doing their own thing. They're going to do what they want. It's like to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. It's fair. What, um, what is, what is the closest thing you think we experience in our in our day to day life to real magic? Mm, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about the word magic, but I would say like uh, probably just connection. Yeah, um, great answer. I think like true connection is rare. It's always worth exploring um, when you connect with somebody as a friend or in a romantic manner. Um, you know, sometimes you're just like, "Fuck, why am I so drawn to you?" Yeah. Why do I want to hang out with you, or why do I want to continue to hang out with you, or or what what is it? Um, so I would say connection is just unexplainable. Um, I feel like a lot of other things, like 
when you have a craving or something, it's chemical based or addiction or those sorts of things are explainable, but human connection, it's just unexplainable. Yeah. So I would that that would be my answer for sure. That is that is a pretty pretty magical experience for for a lot of people. That those connections are, are more more profound than anything else that we can have in our lives. Oh, totally. I mean, like um, they change. You know, you meet somebody and all of a sudden everything changes. Everything's different. Yeah. Or how about like when you're like, "Fuck, how did I fall for that person? What the fuck? What is wrong with you?" <laughs> Like, but you can't explain it. You can't help it. You don't get to pick who you fall for. For sure. Uh, and it's funny. Like, I had somebody talk about this a while ago, and it's always resonated uh, about how, like, when you love somebody, when you fall in love with somebody, it really it, – it never goes away until you fall in love with somebody else. And the logic for them was think about every person you've been in love with and is it – are you still in love with them? And don't lie to yourself if you are. Or have they become a memory? Mm. And the emotion turns to a memory when the emotion shifts to somebody else. Mm. And that's where I would say, if you want it, like I wouldn't use the word magic, but that's just me. But that that that's why I would pick that as my answer. Yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting thread to to pull on there. There is some some certain there's some certain chemical shift in our in our body when that just it translates and we we take this this energetic shift too. It's like a chemical and energetic shift that we that we through the course of our life end up kind of transferring to different people. It's a it's a it's a, it's a very unique thread. Yeah, oh totally. What um last couple questions I have for you. I know uh you have you have a class to get to soon enough. <laughs> I got a couple minutes. Uh, <laughs> Is there is there any fictional character that you wish you could meet in your in your real everyday life? Uh, no. What about historical character? Historical? Um, I mean, fuck. I'm I'm curious about like all sorts of people. It'd probably be like the last person I talked about, but there's nobody that like circles back for me. Um, my mind like jumps from place to place. It works very like weird. Um. So, like, yeah, would you love to meet, like, all the old presidents or Einstein or those sorts of people? Absolutely. Um, would it resonate or would it not? Like, I have a friend who met Ben Greenfield the other day who I've listened to a lot of his shit recently. And she was saying, like, she, she couldn't connect and, like, talk to him because he was too, you know. And and so maybe, like, everybody and nobody. I feel like you kind <laughs> of get put in front of the people that you need to. Like, I don't really complain on that front or, like, I don't have a yearn. Like I love Kobe Bryant, big big Kobe fan. So I'd love to meet him. Would that change if I met him in real life? It could. Yeah. So maybe the mystique is a little bit better. Yeah. So so the way your mind works, this um, constant constant shifting of of energetic processing, right? Do you how abnormal do you think that experience is within the the general populace? How how different do you think your mind is working and 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 if it's really different, why do you, why do you think that is? Um, well, I, I mean, I don't know how other people's minds work. Yeah. But notice that thought patterns seem to be different when we discuss things. Yeah. Um, I don't like. I couldn't. You know. Again, like I think it's like arrogant to say that I'm different because I don't know. But I would say um, my mind works in a, in a abnormally a different creative way than people that. I'm used to in a lot of my fields or sometimes like I'll talk about things and like I have a, a creative logic I guess you would say so a lot of the stuff 
my, my thought patterns are very logical, but I go about things in a creative manner. Um, so if you look at the way that I sequence classes or think about the body, it's very creative, but it's all logic-based. Um, and I think people tend to either stay in a linear fashion or creative and not be able to blend the two. Mm. That blending is, a, is, is an interesting thing. It's a, it's a thing that I go to a lot, which is that extremes are, are really easy. Everybody thinks that extremes are hard, but the reality is making a decision between two different ends of the spectrum is much easier than finding a blend and balance of, of everything that we do. Totally. Um, if you could know the truth to one question, what question would it be? Oh, meaning of life. Duh. <laughs> what do you What do you think the meaning of life is? I I got nothing for you on this one. <laughs> I um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, it depends on on your views on things. What what. You know, like, I always think it's interesting. Do you, if you meet somebody and you feel like you have some form of, like, just an intellect, intellectual connection, like, I love asking people, like, what do you think happens when you die? Hmm. Um, and just people, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like the logical side of me looks at religion and organized religion. And you're like, book about a guy. I don't think, come on. Um and then there's the stuff you can't explain. And then there's also like, well, what, you know, I, I, it's hard to like, like when I was in India years back, I met a man um, who had no legs and his arms weren't quite long enough to touch the floor. So he had two bricks that he held under his hands and he would walk on the bricks with his hands. He was the happiest fucking dude ever. Slept on the corner. We give him like food or money, like, but he was just like happy. And it's like, and I remember one day my friend was just uh, like, well, what's it like to have no legs? And the guy's like, it's fine. In the next life, I'll have legs. And we were just like, and what are my problems? You <laughs> yeah. know? Um, so like, I don't know. I feel like as everything changes, like present moment for me, I feel like you can't argue energy shifts when you die, when you, you live, whatever, like the energy is fact. You can't argue the energy doesn't exist. Um, so like when people look at like karma and reincarnation and those sorts of things, like like as of now, I'd say like, yeah, if you die, your energy goes somewhere. If I die under a tree, maybe it goes in there. Uh, maybe somebody eats that apple and that's in their body when they get someone pregnant and then part of me is in the child. Um, does that mean that all of my karma from being a good or bad person or the soul reincarnation? I don't fucking know. But I view like energy as potentially you have a bunch of different people's pieces in you and that puts you together because everyone's different yeah. um yet you can also meet people and be like i i know you i know you how do i know you um so i, I don't know i think it's interesting but you i just feel like you can't bank on anything else so <laughs> it's kind of like you just do everything you can while you can because why would you want to look back and be like fuck you know i saved this but never really happened yeah it's a it's an interesting thing and i think gathering that perspective of um exactly how you believe we fit into the the cosmos is it changes the way that you you process daily events um you know if we look at the at the the matter that we actually make up within the cosmos, the entire planet that we view as everything is, is nothing. And 
sometimes when I get really down about what's happening in the the news on a day-to-day basis, I, I take a little bit of comfort in knowing how insignificant we are as a planet, even as a solar system. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and that that gives me a little bit of comfort. And that might tell me where we are in the world in my own perspective, if that is providing me comfort. But it does. Oh, yeah. Like I was in Mammoth, um, what, two weeks ago, and one of my buddies came up with me. I was teaching at a yoga festival. And uh, instead of doing a bunch of yoga classes, like during the time off, we went on all these hikes. And, uh, and I was talking to my friend Josh, who was in Yosemite. I was talking to him yesterday with messaging. And uh, I mean, nature is the ultimate ego check. Yeah. You walk through like the forest and you're like, I ain't shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like you see these trees that have been around for hundreds, thousands of years, whatever, uh, all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, I'm not as important as I think I am. So yeah, it's hard. It's, it's kind of like, I hate to get into aliens and all that stuff, but like, you know, like, I have no idea what's out there, but I feel like it's just a little bit arrogant to think that we're the only <laughs> huge, vast area that we know nothing about that has any form of life, and, and we're that special. You it, know? If you so, take a glance at one of the Hubble telescope photos of of in, entire <laughs> entire galaxies that we we can't see and perceive and you see that there's billions of them it's it's just a, a touch arrogant to think that we're the only thing that's out there exactly. right i don't know i mean that's my take on it like i don't know i don't think i know yeah just know that like certain things come off a little arrogant and and i'm constantly reminded with things that i do like it's not all about me. Yeah, it's it's such a man. It makes it makes the world a better place, right? The moment we acknowledge that the world is not all about us, everything gets better. Just true. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, last question for you. You and the answer can be no. Do you have any questions for me? Uh, no. I mean, I, I this is great. Cool. Let's hop back on this again soon. Yeah, that, that'd be fun, man. I um, I greatly appreciate your time today. I would love to have you uh, do, a, do a recap in the future. That'd be phenomenal. Yeah, let's do it. Let's circle back. Um, thank you so much for having me on. Cool, man. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day.